Welcome back to Kafaro Cast, everyone. We have a very special guest today, the very in, ingenious and madmaster of of Spartan Precision Gear, Rob Gearing. Thanks for coming on, man. Well, thanks, thanks for having me back, Frank. Um, always delighted to come back and meet you, <laughs> lads, and uh, always great to see the new gear you guys are uh, punching out. It's absolutely where it needs to be. Yeah, we appreciate it, and yeah, likewise. I. We were just talking before we started, and it seems like you've been going nonstop for the last since the last time you were here, and that was this summer. So that was probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight months ago. And it seems like you've been, whether you've been on an adventure of of some sort or um, back and forth to these shows and releasing new products, it looks like you've been going nonstop. Yeah, I, definitely, definitely. I've um, I, that was a six week journey last time. I did six thousand miles. Wow! Destroyed the car. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a that's another story. But I had an I had an epic journey and met mm-hmm. some great people along the way, and again a lot of people making really good gear. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there's a lot of passion in this industry, um, and that really comes through with guys like yourselves and the First Light lads and such like. And there's equally a lot of other companies doing it as well. So for me, what we're doing is about just making things as well as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've been full on. It's 110 miles an hour. As I jokingly say, it's not a joke actually, but nobody lives at Spartan. Now, nobody works there. <laughs> they live it. Right. Right. Exactly. And um, it's, it seems like since I first met you last year, I think it was last year at the Sheep Show, It was you're more of a, a not as well known of a company. It seems like now everywhere I look, there's some sort of either a javelin bipod or a sentinel tripod and you're coming out with a, a tent line and it seems like you have just blown up. So do you think a lot of that's attributed to uh, to your travels or getting the gear in the right people's hands? Um, I think it's a, it's a mixed cake really mm-hmm. on that one. I think uh, we've certainly got it into the right people's hands. Right. And I've always said I want to make gear that really is absolutely where it needs to be. We'd be the first to say we don't get everything right, um, but we are sensible enough to listen. Right. We, you know, we've sold 35,000 of those javelin bipods now, so I look at that as having 35,000 field testers. Oh, yeah. Now, big, arrogant companies, they're not interested. They, they're accountant-led. I'd be a fool if I didn't listen to the feedback I get on that and think, well, we can just improve things and constantly evolve. Um, so, yeah, in answer to your question, it's a mix. We've got some great people following us, like Joseph von Benedict, Tyler Frail, um, uh, Jason from uh, Jason Vincent from Sporting Classics. There's a whole army of them, um, and they've been great ambassadors. We're too small to market, or you'll never see us advertising anywhere because everything we make goes straight back into the product. Right. I mean, in time, obviously, as we develop and grow into a proper business. And I jokingly say that. We, I still sitting here pinching myself. You know, you're saying we're, we're known. Literally two years ago, we were working out of a garage, mm-hmm. a proper garage, yeah. making this stuff. And uh, it's been a, a seismic journey. And uh, we can thank our customers for that. I think if you make stuff well and you put it in their hands, they become your ambassadors. Right. And that's certainly what's happened for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, word of mouth goes a long way. And with a, cro- a po- quality product, it it definitely shows. And um, I know for a lot of the hunting that I do, th- you want a lightweight tripod. Yeah. And the modularity between the 
or the tripod and the bipod is what I was going to say, is, is awesome. So, you know, if you have to make a prone shot, you have the javelin bipod and with the adapter that you make, you can pop that off real quick and then pop her on the, on the tripod, whether you use it as a bipod or a tripod, and you can make a, a longer shot if, you know, whatever you want to do back and forth. Absolutely. And I'm a big fan of not using it as a tripod, but using it as a bipod. Yeah, yeah. I have the problem now, I get people that buy the long legs for the bipod and then they buy the tripod. And I said, well, guys, and listen, please, you do not need to buy everything, right? They, uh, if you have the Sentinel system, you don't need the long legs on the bipod. And you'd back me up on that, Frank. Mm-hmm. I think the tripod on two legs as a long seated bipod works right. much better than the bipod with long legs. Um, but it's horses for courses. Yeah, exactly. And that's what yeah. we were talking about a little while ago before we started. I, um, I always use the Sentinel tripod as a bipod seated for calling in coyotes or if I'm on a rifle hunt. And then when I need to drop it down to a, to, to a bipod, I'll just switch off and pop the javelin on there. And um, I was just telling you that this weekend I had a coyote that was hung up at about 540 yards and I had the rifle on the Sentinel. And uh, I was like, well, if he's not going to come in, I'm going to pop on the the bipod and I just quick you know you just pop it off and pop in the bipod there and was able to take a shot at the coyote in probably I don't know 30 seconds or so it, having that adaptability is great eh? Mm. It's, it's it's a bit of a game changer and it's it's we're not saying we fixed the world or reinvented the wheel but we think we put a new tire on it um, yeah. and that modular system and now that's migrating over more on the tactical side we've got a lot of interest from the SF units now um I won't mention any names, but lots of them are really excited about what we're doing. Uh, Coffin Rob and I had some time in Paris just before Christmas doing a demo, and they've been invited out. And now your your guys over here are coming and knocking on our door as well. So they really see the effect of what they can do with this in sort of any sort of, I guess, any sort of situation you can adapt this system mm. to support the rifle or your optics or your camera or your spot and scope, whatever. But... Uh, yeah, it works. Yeah, and it looks like you guys have expanded the, the lineup to, like you're saying, optics and, and camera gear and stuff like that. And you have a whole table of gear here that you came in and showed us. Um, Aaron had to take off before the podcast. He had a couple of meetings, but he took a look and he was pretty intrigued by the stuff you have. Are you able to talk about any of this stuff or yeah, abs- any stuff you want to highlight that's yeah. coming out this year? So absolutely. Really what we've done is we we made a sentinel we made a tripod system a couple of years back which we actually literally had to hand make each unit because we're using hand rolled carbon um it's great carbon but it was too much flex for the tripod for my liking and we were buying parts factory parts to make it work i actually wasn't happy with that so we went back and redesigned every single part um literally every part on this system has been redesigned other than the rubber boot and even the rubber boot, I could improve on. Right? <laughs> but coming from a climbing background, um, you know, I spent as much time in the mountains climbing as I have hunting, more so in actual fact, and just living outdoors a lot. Versatility, adaptability are key drivers for me. And then another one is weight. So if I can get that Sentinel system to do a multitude of jobs, then why not? Mm-hmm. So my concept is, well, most of us, mountain hunters, climbers, people that love nature, will use trekking poles. Right. So first off, I'm talking about the head of this tripod unit. Obviously, guys, you can't see it, but it's a pretty small 7,000-gauge um, alloy head, really robustly made with titanium screws and fittings. It's, it's made as well as we can make it, certainly. 
Um, and you can remove the legs from that tripod, as, as Frank's been describing, to take the shot. But those legs then, in essence, they become your trekking poles. Now, those trekking poles are made using a really good grade carbon made by um, our partners, Epsilon, in France. They make control rods for Airbus aircraft. So they probably arguably make some of the best protruded carbon on the planet. Mm -hmm. The trekking poles I'm really proud of because unlike other trekking poles, or certainly ones that I've used, if you did break a piece of carbon, you can remove the broken bit. You can put the remaining bit back in and still lock it down. So you've still got the functionality of a trekking pole. Now, the carbon is hugely strong, but like anything, it can be broken if you really try. So we've got our trekking poles. We've got our tripod for glassing, for shooting off, uh, for binoculars. Um, Willow Mara um, Fauna Ridge from Ireland has been working on some great little binocular adapters that you won't have seen. They're not out yet, but mm -hmm. we'll, have them, we'll have them sorted in the next six to eight months. Um, we're working on a... Aaron's been kicking us about this ISAX unit mm -hmm. we'll be working on that as well so those trekking poles will work as an axe unit as a spade as a tree saw if you're in a stand there's a whole facet of jobs that that trekking pole will turn into moving back to the tripod when you've got all three trekking poles in as a tripod we've now made a tent which weighs well you felt the weight of that yeah, it's just less light. than a pound um made out of dyneema look you're not going to go and use it in the arctic because you'd freeze to death Although I just had, <laughs> yeah, but exactly. I'm still here. But uh, uh, and I'm I'm out actually to Colorado, and uh, I've managed to skank off Frank a nice sleeping bag. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go out and uh, look for a few lines this weekend, and uh, just uh, just try this kit out. So um, yeah, it turned the tripod turns into the frame of the tent. Um, this tent's a bit special. It's a single wall tent, so it's very light. It's made of Dyneema, which is very strong. It's the only tent on the planet that I'm aware of that's got a built-in urinal. <laughs> when, you're, when you're 55, um, you don't want to get out of tents and your bladders <laughs> just don't work as well as they used to. I wish it did. So I can literally just stay in that tent, roll over and take a pee out of the tent, which I think is a pretty stupid, simple concept, but it works. Yeah, that's a great selling yeah. point for a floorless shelter. We tell people that all the time. Like, yeah. if you really had to, you, gotta, you can roll over and just yeah. pee out the, out the bottom there and... And people are like, are you, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, we're serious. Well, I, <laughs> it's pretty convenient. Many years ago, I spent a lot of time with the Inuit um, up on the East Coast. And uh, I was with a load of old boys in there. And uh, this guy, I wanted to spend some time before they all died out. And sadly, the guys I was with, they're all dead now anyway. But um, th they'd build an igloo, mm -hmm. right? And they'd put you around the outside. No, sorry, they'd put you in the middle. And you thought, oh, that's nice. They're nesting you to keep you warm. Yeah, that's a load of crap. <laughs> All they're doing is when they need a pee, they just roll up and piss down the side of the igloo. When you need a pee, you think, oh, God, I'm going to be pissing on my mate's back. <laughs> yeah. So you have to get out of the igloo to oh, take a okay. piss. And that's not fun at minus 36, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so getting back to that product line, we've tried to shave a huge amount of weight from the serious sort of hunters, mountaineers kit. So basically... The tent with the tripod trekking pole and all those things added together, you know, they're collectively doing a whole facet of jobs. That's that's been our aim anyway. Right. Yeah. We we uh we had uh, Dennis Zadra yesterday from Lonesome Dove Outfitters. He's an outfitter up in uh, Alaska. We're gonna hunt goats with on yesterday, and he was talking about the importance of he likes using an ice axe and uh, as opposed to trekking poles because the fact that if they break a trekking pole breaks 
then you're screwed. Mm. Well, with this system, this will be really interesting. So if it if it does so happen to break, you can still use it. You can still repair it. And then yeah. also you, you guys will be working on an ice axe attachment, which is also very intriguing. So that's exciting to look at. And once you brought that up to Aaron just a little while ago before he left, he was that you could see that yeah, kind of yeah. perked him up and He's got he was it. interested. He's got it. And it's it's got to be an axe. If we're going to do it, it's got to work. You right. know, it's got to be we're, – we're also working with the Emberleaf guys, uh, a couple of mad fellas out of the UK, again – completely committed just to make great quality knives and such like and they're going to make us a little skinning axe with a little handle so there's a lot of exciting things and we might not even sell that stuff we might just push our customers straight to those brands it's like um this guy red kettle christian out of the uk makes some lovely little bipod bags and honestly they're doing great stuff so Mm -hmm. again if we end up stocking them and holding them We've got to put money on them, so we'd rather just steer them. We know what it's like to work out of a garage, and you've all got, <laughs> yeah. you've all got to help each other in, that, in, right, that, in right. that guise. That's my concern anyway. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, so what else do you have over there? I see that the, w- one thing I've been seeing a lot on, uh, on your social media pages, um, and you've sent me a few photos and stuff, is the, the new bipod there. Oh. Uh, it's kind of an interesting design, and um, tell us a little bit about that. So... If you know the javelin, it's really one end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's a lightweight hunting tool. You know, I, I call it the bipod for people that don't like bipods. Right. You know, I absolutely stand by that. But is it a killing machine? It's absolutely where it needs to be. In my humble opinion, we've achieved what we set out to do. If you think javelin, this is the other end of the spectrum. Um, we've been approached by several military units and been working with some sort of SF units on this and really good brains about building a bipod for a sniper system, a big heavy tactical rifle. So this has been, oh, we've been working on this for three years and a lot of people have been helping cook this up and some have, some have died off, some have come in, but ultimately we're very, very proud of it. Um, and I can't take much credit for this because it's, it's been a real team effort, but we've done some real sort of simple things like the way the leg adjusts, it's on a nut. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit like putting a spanner over a nut. So you can set that in any place position you like. The legs are quick draw. So from a military application, they're very fast to use. And you can do them quietly. You can do them noisily if you need to. You can set this bipod up for a left-handed or right-handed shooter, which is another thing. So if the operator is left-handed, you can set the... You basically build the bipod to that to his configuration. Mm-hmm. You can top mount it, you can sub mount it, you can even unscrew these legs and put our trekking poles into them. Right. Can I sell them to you yet? No, I can't. <laughs> like all these things, it's been one crazy thing. We've, we've, got, we've got a few SF units to sort out first, but I think we'll have this commercially available in the next three months. Um, don't worry, Frank, I'm going to get you <laughs> get you out testing these. Yeah, I'll uh, like hear like for you. It's it's just a beautifully engineered bit of kit. And stupid little things like people make bipods still where they've got all of the exposed stuff open when mm-hmm. they pull the lower leg out. I mean, are those guys honestly actually doing anything in the field? You know, cover it up. So at least if you put this down in a load of mud, grip or, you know, sand or whatever, you're protecting the key elements. So... It's like putting shoes on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's companies out there that just, they make things and you think, why the hell did you do that? There's a lot of very good bipods out there in this sort of market, I think. But I think we just 
taken something we made it very intuitive to use and simple for the operator because obviously if you get shot at or whatever you don't want to be worried about buttons and knobs so this is very instinctive um, also it will take the adapter so you can run this straight off of the sentinel system literally plug it straight on top if i had the adapter there so again like your javelin as you were explaining how quickly you could swap everything mm -hmm. over you could do the same from a military application yeah, as well. even quicker even quicker because it's already there yeah that's one thing i wanted to comment on like you're saying um a lot of there's a lot of companies no matter what the product they don't necessarily do the testing themselves and that's one thing i always like to see um, and on, especially like on the videos you post and you send me emails all the time and you're out in the field constantly when you're not on the road yeah. and you're using the product yeah. and you have the firsthand experience with it. And I think that's what a lot of people um, like about Kafaro is we're always out in the field and we're testing our gear as well. So I think that goes a long way and, and you're not just coming out with the product not testing it and releasing it to market. You want the best product possible to reach the customer. It's funny you say that, Frank. Uh, when you're 55 or when you're 56 years, I am, your drivers are different and your horizons are much shorter. And I'm not here to build an empire. Mm -hmm. Millions of people have done that before. I mean, great if that turns into an empire and one, one day the business will probably outgrow me, and it, indeed it should. I, I want to be known for building great gear, mm -hmm. period. As long as it funds the kind of things that I want to do, and look, I say to my kids, I say, kids, you can have too much money. You've only got one set of legs, right? If you've got 20 million stuffed away, you've got somebody else that's going to have to worry about that for you. It brings its own problems. There is having enough, right? And for me to enjoy this journey is hugely rewarding. And it's not the end result I'm after because the end result is done, isn't it? Mm. Right? But to be given this opportunity to play in this arena, both in a hunting and military aspect, an outdoor aspect, at my age, is an absolute, you know, gift. Um, and I am working with some fantastically gifted people, and it's just, it's the chemistry's right. And sometimes that just happens. It's just like you lads. You know, you can see there's passion here. You can do things, right? It, look at the quality of the gear you guys are making. And it's, I love working with good quality stuff. One day, maybe it'll be bought out or whatever, or I don't know, and it'll be led by accountants. Sadly, that happens to, it's happened right. to, in my view, to companies like Arterix and such like. They all start with the right idea and they all start making stuff and then they start cutting corners, right? And I, you know, I buy stuff. If I find it early on, I probably buy two of them because I know <laughs> yeah. the quality is going to get scanned. Mm -hmm. And I was climbing in Greenland um, oh, probably 10 years ago now with Simon Yates, a very same famous climber. Um, for, anyway, they've done uh, Touching the Void. It's not a porn film, I promise, but it's a good <laughs> film that's worth watching. And he's a great character. And I was climbing with him in Greenland. The other guy, actually, I was climbing with was a guy called John Coward who crashed the 777, successfully crash-landed 777 into Heathrow in 2008. So... A couple of very interesting characters I was right. with there. And we were doing some first ascents and such like, fucking 55 years is catching up. What was the question? <laughs> I can't remember. Anyway, working with great people. It's, it's absolutely what it's all about. But, um, yeah, why was I saying that? Uh, I think we were talking about uh, the direction of where you wanting to go. and Yeah, absolutely. So building, building great stuff is what it's about. Oh, yes, jackets. So I had, I had a North Face jacket at the time when they were making some really good stuff, actually. Zip, Velcro, doubled over, blah, blah, blah. 
I then bought a jacket off another company. I'm not going to mention any brand, but it just had a zip. And the sales guy, and I stupidly bought the, the jacket. And he said, well, well you, with these kind of zips, you don't need anything else. Well, absolutely, you do. Because if that zip failed in that mm-hmm. environment, I'd have been dead. Right. There was no question. Yeah, whoever came up with the name Greenland yeah. is full of shit. Because yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. like it's more yeah. like ice, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a marketing tool by the uh, by the Vikings, actually, to try and get more people to move over there. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was warmer then. They did have some domestic stock, but they basically run out of food. And the ones that mixed with the Inuit survived. The ones that didn't just died out. Oh, jeez. Yeah, pretty, pretty hair. Yeah, it's interesting history up there. Tough mm-hmm. people, though. Tough people. But... Um, yeah, I'm loving the journey. Um, there's lots of exciting things. I've got sort of like six or seven years of ideas going on in my head. Um, Christian Mustard from Nautilus Reels, who's a good mate of mine, phoned me up the other day and said, Rob, stop inventing and start selling. <laughs> he said, you've done like six years of stuff already. And in, in essence, he's right. But we had to get the story complete. Mm-hmm. Um, and up until now, we've existed off a bipod, really. that people We're known for a bipod and there's a much bigger story. What I'm hugely proud of is the fact that we have not changed the circuitry. You can use the earliest javelin in our adapters or migrate, and they all work. And all the time I'm running the ship, um, it'll always be that way. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to suddenly go, oh, we changed the plugs, guys. And then people have to go and buy. You invest in this stuff. Yeah. Right. And um, we have a brilliant following of devoted Spartan followers. And uh, to change the plugs, it's just, that's just not happening. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And um, our owner, Patrick Smith, and then, you know, Aaron, they follow that same philosophy. We always want stuff to be able to um, made up with the new stuff that people have had in the past. So if you have one of our Gen 1 frames, we'll make it so that you can mount it up to one of our new bags. Yeah. Um, so we always want stuff to be retrofittable, I guess yeah. you could say, um, because it is an investment. You know, we, it, we definitely have a higher priced product and we want people to be able to use it. Um, as long as they can. So. It's, it's crucial. I think it's crucial. I think it's a failing for big businesses to try and do. I mean, they're market driven and they're out to make money. And of course, we need to make enough to survive. But that's not what drives the people at Spartan. It's, uh, it's absolutely not. It's, uh, it's a great, fun journey. Um, as you say, people are talking about us now. We were getting people come up to us at SHOT Show and shaking our hands and saying, I don't know, you know. If they knew what the tiny little place we worked out of, <laughs> yeah. they might not want to shake their hands. But, it's, uh, but it's, it's, we do produce good gear, and I'm very proud of it. And we're working with some great partners out there that really understand quality and what we're about. Right, right. And what, right now, is, is uh, the military your biggest customer, or it's, is it about 50-50? No, no, not even close. It's still the civil market would be 90% of okay. our business, probably more. Because we've only just had a military application, but they've literally leapt on this. Mm-hmm. Um, we were inundated at shot. And I think if we had this conversation in 24 months, it will be the military will be probably 80% of the market. That's I'm awesome. Talking, um, or certainly working with brands like SIG maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very engaged with SIG at the moment and Barrett. Great manufacturers we don't want to conquer the world but they understand how they can marry into this system Mm -hmm. and the adaptability because a lot of the military people they're selling packages now your rifle goes with a system and i i frequently have this conversation as like sniper teams or whatever they'll spend they might have a ten thousand dollar rifle five thousand dollar piece of glass sitting on the top 
what have they actually got connecting them to the ground to make sure they've yeah. got a stable shot? Yeah, exactly. And it's a lot of the stuff's antiquated. There's some great stuff out there. Ours just comes at it from a very different angle. And then we've made really what I would best describe as a mobile shooting bench. Right. And it's still based off the Sentinel that you would use. Mm-hmm. It's just you just pluck in two back legs. You've got a rear cradle. And it's quick and dirty to use, but very, very functional. And then you can you can adjust the height just by pulling in the front leg mm-hmm. or dropping it out and fine-tune it. You screw the trekking pole in. Couldn't yeah. be simpler. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And like I was saying earlier, I think it'd be great for especially a guide. You know, somebody comes into camp, you, you make the adapter that'll screw right into the, uh, to the, the uh, swivel. Sling swivel, swivel. Yeah. yeah. I'm not happy with it. Um, it, it's my least favorite adapter. I'm very honest about these things. It has to be that way because yeah. obviously if a client turns up with a lovely wooden stock or such like, you don't want to take his sling swivel stud out. Mm-hmm. So that little unit just literally pops on through a little pin and goes on. The problem with it is you've only got that point of contact right, on right. there. So it does the job. It, it's serviceable and such like, but the other adapters are far, far better in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, just can't think of an easy fix on that one yeah. but the guides love them because they can rig them up and it means their clients can use the rifles and guess what these are ethical killing tools you all know that i mean i always say to people i say how much are you spending on going on your hunt to africa or to asia or such like look it's going to be five grand plus mm-hmm. you put all that gear then buy a system that actually works i was i was in new zealand in november last year maybe that was after we met and uh I went out um, hunting tar, and the guy there said, there isn't a bipod that works here, mate. You know, your classic Kiwi sort of. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. But they're often right. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and he said, I've tried them all. Uh, Best thing is a rucksack. Anyway, uh, he used the javelin on a couple of tar, and he said, oh, you, you've, you've killed it with this. Mm. This actually does it. Needless to say, I didn't get it back. Might have told you that story before. No, not, you but haven't. But I'm very proud of it. Just thinking about a few of the people from New Zealand that we deal with, they're very, uh, very proud per- people, and... They, they are very skeptical until they find something that uh, they can run through the paces because we have a few guys that use our packs out there, and before they got them, you know, they're like, well, we'll tear them up, and yeah. with, which they, they hunt year-round, yeah. so they need stuff yeah. that's going to hold up. But Yeah, it's, it's a different type of hunting. They're tough people. They're farmers. You know, mm. a lot of them, they're practical and they're adaptable, and they're used to making things that work. So they are a tough market to break. We sell a stuff load of gear in New Zealand, mm-hmm. and it's expensive, eh? You oh, know, yeah. It's not cheap stuff, but they've got it. I mean, and the same with the Vikings. Scandinavians are a big, big market oh, for Oh, are they really? Yeah, yeah. It's, they're difficult to convince, but once you convince them and they've tried it, they're on board. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you might end up conquering the world, but not intentionally. <laughs> no, no, well, maybe not. But it, it's, if I do, I'm going to be outdoors a lot more. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, I I'm probably serve this business better front-ended. Um, I love engaging with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. I'm passionate about the products and such like, but I'm not a financial guru. Never right. will be. have zero interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get frustrated about that now because that's becoming a key issue that I'm having to manage and I'm not best placed to do it. I'm really not. So we need help there. Um, and I think I think that will come, but it slows me up because I'm worried about finances and how to find the next sort of, 30 grand to put into product and it's all I really would not want I don't want to be worried about those kind of things Mm -hmm. but you have to I've got people's mortgages to pay and 
a lot of people have put a lot of trust in me. I mean, this business started five years ago and I had some very close friends of mine said, well, what do you need, Rob? And I said, well, I need money. And they put money into this business and money that if I failed them now, it would mean something to them. It's not mm. they're so wealthy that, they, you know, and nobody ever asked for a contract or anything. They all did it as mates. And I'm hugely proud of that. So be nice one day to pay them back. And yeah. I'm feeling we're getting there now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And once uh, once you get, so you're always going on these on these uh, adventures. I wanted to talk a bit about yeah. those because that's, that's something I always see you doing. It always always makes me laugh because you always got something crazy going on. Like you did use your, your shelter in the Arctic. Yeah. I'm like, Damn, Rob's yeah. a bit a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I say to people, I say, do not use it. it. It's a get you out of trouble shelter. But then we like to push it and mm. they'd say, well, if you did need to do it, it'll work. So I was up with Ulf Linthroth from Sweden, who's a great guy, um, really knows his game. And we, we took a conventional, he took a conventional tent and we took two of those. And absolutely brilliant. But look, you can't. You can't shut the tent down. It's open vented because it's a single wall. Otherwise, right. you're just going to, you know, just going to get so much condensation. But if you've got the right equipment inside, and I've grown up using, I'm slightly unconventional. I get a lot of gear made for me because mm-hmm. I'm very, very picky on things. So I use a down bag because I like the weight of down. Right. But I'm never good enough to keep down dry. Right. So I get, there's a little company up north called PhD Designs and they make really nice old ladies and they basically make your stuff and they make me a sleeping bag with a a Gore-Tex cover. Okay. So I've got the benefit of the down, but I've got a Gore-Tex cover so I can be a a little bit less fussy about, worried about getting wet and things. And I make a sleeping bag now, I get it just under a kilo, a couple of pounds in weight and that will do me throughout the year because then all I do is put a down jacket on mm. or now one of your Kifaru jackets <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? and, um, just, and I'll sleep in that so again I'm, I'm shaving weight off but that, that tent will do it it's, um, it's just how brave you are. Yeah. But you're not going to get the warmth you would get with a double wall tent. Right, right. And yeah, that's the same thing we tell people. You know, if you're going to use a tarp, you, there's certain expectations to have that yeah. you need to know about. And we have, uh, we have stoves, of course, but I don't think there's much to burn up there in the Arctic, is there? Uh, actually, there, there is. And um, you can, you just, all I do is take a bit of cord and a little carabiner and pull the dead uh, branches down. Oh, okay. Um, and the standing dead pines up there are filled because what happens when those trees die if they dry, die standing they they shock them they load up with sap okay. just before they die and then so they are literally the best stuff to burn so there's a lot in the arctic on that tree line and mm-hmm. you go above the tree line clearly you've got other than <laughs> yeah. other than moose droppings there isn't <laughs> yeah it's a different game there once you're above the tree line, the, the game, well, I don't need to tell you guys, the game yeah. changes completely. It's yeah. much more serious. Exactly. Um, so what were some of the notable trips that you went on this year? Because um, you were up in the Arctic, and then you, every time you're, you're here, I always see that you're stopping somewhere in the mountains and, and doing a, a bit of an adventure or a, a small trip, or you have the mountain lion hunt you're going to go on. Here. Yeah, I, I basically like to just push the boundaries as much as I'm able. I'm not a Las Vegas fan. Right, I go in there to do the job, but I find that quite claustrophobic. Oh, I bet. And literally, the minute the shot shows over, I was in a car and skanking off. I actually did my inner trick. I got to a hotel, probably, I was probably 200 miles east. I got into, I checked into a hotel at two o'clock in the afternoon, and the lady said, Oh, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go to bed. And I slept <laughs> from two o'clock 
through to eight o'clock the next morning. Oh man! Which is pretty incredible that I'm still able to do that. Um, but it was a real recharge, and I really needed that. And then I went down to Branded Rock Canyon uh, to mm. meet my friend Amy. And I mean, Branded Rock Canyon is a utopia for me. I mean, that place is, if you've not heard about it, it's, it is, oh, can I say, like a hunter's wet dream. Really. <laughs> I mean, just they've set it up so, so well. Um, they've got a fantastic range. They've got the people they've employed there, again, passionate want to do it right and it's top top tier and uh, she's absolutely killing it there and uh, we do a lot of work with them i did a little shooting course with them last year right. i'm going to yeah, go back that. again july this year i'm hugely excited to release some more products where are they what state are they in they're in colorado oh, okay yeah so they're um grand junction yeah yeah about an hour i would say about an hour um east of grand junction okay. in yeah. a fantastic place and that's where i'm going back so I'm going to be using your gear up on the top of those mountains. Awesome. Yeah. So if I don't see again, the lion did get me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's cool. Yeah, I, I saw that you were down there doing a lot of long-range shooting. It looks like they have a pretty sweet course set up. for. Does, do they do, like, uh, coaching and stuff? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. They've got some really good guys. And really good will work with anybody. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. they can adjust, adjust their to your skill level. To, to their skill level because they're top-tier guys. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm hoping that uh, Joe that works with Amy's Lovely guy, very, very good, very engaging, really knows his stuff. Going to try and get Will O'Mara from um, Ireland over there, maybe in July as well, if I can. If I can glue it all together, just depends, because obviously he's got a real job to do. Mm -hmm. um, but it, no, very, very, very good place. Yeah. That's awesome. So what hunts do you have going, coming up? I know you're you're going, like we were just talking about, a million miles per hour, but you uh, you're going to go back with will to hunt yeah we were with will in september was it no sorry november hunting seeker i mean if you want to really burn the muscles that guy will burn the muscles he's super super fit and the only way coffin and i could keep up with him is keep chucking loading them up with <laughs> seeker stags on the back of his, yeah. in his kifari rucksack yeah but great fun i'm mm. proper proper deer hunting where you're you might be crawling in you know a thousand yards so because it's open mm -hmm. so it's a lot of open ground so when you see them you it's it's get down it's proper i mean you are really hunting those things um and it's 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 a management thing you know they're wild deer they're not fenced or anything so they need to be controlled and seeker seeker deer is arguably well in my view one of the best tasting meats out there oh really it's really good yeah so uh, I came back with a freezer load of seeker. Yeah, I saw that, that you so guys stacked them yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> loaded it up. But no, it had a great time and it really, really entertaining hunting. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously with Ulf, we were hunting Cape Cayley, which is like a giant, well, it's like a turkey in size. I mean, they get up to five kilos. What would that be? Sort of probably 15 pounds mm -hmm. close to it. Yeah. And you hunt them with rifles. Oh, nice. Shoot them out of trees, which doesn't sit well with me. Coming from an <laughs> overpopulated country like the UK, you think this just doesn't feel right. Um, <laughs> but then I, I enjoy the, the other side. I enjoy the processing, the eating, um, and what you do with the food as much as the hunt. It's very, right. very... I'm a, we all grew up killing things. Mm. I think I've only turned into a hunter when I got to about 30, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. And now for me, it's, I have huge respect for the animals. Oh, yeah. um, and it's, there's a, there is always some sorrow when I shoot something, but I, I'm, too, I'm 
not going to sit him and say, I don't love the meat more. Mm. You know, so I really enjoy the meat eating process. My daughters are the same. Max, my son is the same. I mean, Jenna will shoot a lot more deer than I do these days. She's she's really out there. She probably too bloody tight to buy it in the supermarkets personally. <laughs> but she has that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, so Caper Cayley hunting in, in the Arctic, did a lot of that and we just eat it raw. And it's fantastic. I saw that, yeah. yeah. Actually, I never want to cook it again. It, it's such a delightful thing to eat. Sort of. What did you put it? You had it on a slice of bread with something else, Yeah, we right? cheated a little bit. He bought, I mean, I don't know, Wolf's rucksack is not that bad, a big, but he seems to have, it's like the TARDIS. He seems to have everything he packed <laughs> in there. And you think, oh, crack, it's got fried bread, right? So just we'd fry a little bit of bread. You'd scrape the meat off, mm-hmm. right? You wouldn't mince it. You'd just use the edge of the blade and scrape it so you end up with a mash. Mm-hmm. And then an egg thrown in, a bit of onion. Oh, Raw I'm egg, it. right? Raw egg. I'm absolutely, you know, my mouth's salivering now. <laughs> I, I struggle with your food over here, guys. I just, I've, I found a little organic grocery store just over the road, actually, mm. and I load up with a bit of stuff over there. But, oh, fantastic. And you can do it with venison. I mean, the meat eater TV guys as well, they're killing it, aren't they? So mm-hmm. They're really opening up people's views. And, yeah, so many options yeah. compared to just frying a steak or yeah. grilling a steak. And but. absolutely full marks to them. And guys like you for actually showing people the opportunities. It's it's just that we have nothing to hide or be embarrassed about. All we're doing is cutting out the food market, uh, the supermarket chain. From yeah. my perspective, we we look after animals, don't we? You know, oh, yeah. we I mean, only, we only need to look at grouse. I mean, you we could we could have a whole podcast on that as well. But yeah, we I mean we have it, and uh, conservation seems to be something that's talked about a lot and. Um, seems to just be the the popular topic, but yeah, hunter as hunters, a lot of that money goes into the animals. You know, we as hunters, we don't hate animals. We love we yeah, love it, you know it, we love hunting and we love the meat and we want to see the animals thrive as well, so we can continue. I think the only thing we're guilty of, I mean, I'm talking about real hunters now. You meet good and bad, but some of the best people I know on the planet are passionate hunters that really care about animals and such. Like the only thing we're guilty of is not is being misunderstood. Yeah. And we are guilty for not educating people correctly about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, rhinos, you've got the perfect name for that. Kifari. I mean, do I want to go and shoot a rhino? No, I don't. Do I fully understand if somebody's going to go and shoot a rhino and pay a few hundred thousand dollars to do it and that protects another 50 rhinos or 25 rhinos or whatever? Well, we don't have any better options than that. So yeah. I'd be naive to not to say, bring it on. And actually, if it's done well, that rhino's probably past his breeding time. It's going to die. Not a very nice diet death in Africa anyway when you get oh, old. Oh, exactly. Just, yeah. Anybody needs to go and see that. You don't need me to tell you. So I think that's a, that's a brilliant way of actually protecting our wildlife. Mm-hmm. And you can repeat that with grouse. Look at tar in New Zealand. Look at what's going on there. So these people, these so-called people that love nature, suddenly decided, oh, we need to eradicate the tar in New Zealand. Right. They want to kill almost all of them, right? Who has come to the fore to protect the tar? It's the hunting. You know, Mm. and and, and bless them, they've done a good job. So, but as I say, we've done a piss poor job at educating, um, I think, the world or the uneducated people what a hunting's about. I mean, predator control, you do a lot of that, Mm -hmm. right? You wouldn't have half the wildlife around here if you didn't do it. And then what happens to the predators when the wildlife's gone? They starve out as well. So it's a management thing at the end of the day. But uh, as I say, I could 
I could spend hours talking about that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think with um, you know, the evolution of podcasts and and stuff like that, um, we are getting the word out there to put a, a better light on hunting. Yeah. So I think it's it's very positive. So um, I actually have a view that if, if we have this conversation in the next ten years, there will be a real joining of proper vegetarians that are vegetarians for the right reasons and hunters, proper mm-hmm. hunters, because a lot of my daughter's friends are vegetarians, but they're oh, not really? vegetarians because they just don't like intensively processed meat and the way the animals are treated. Mm-hmm. They'll eat Jenna's hunted meat. Mm-hmm. No, because they said, well, no, I can cope with that. And I think that's a great story and that's something that really needs to grow. But it's like, let's talk about Gore-Tex and Ventile. Nobody knows about Ventile as a, as a, as a material for, for clothing. It's a brilliant, brilliant material. Um, Christian, red kettle guy, is making a jacket out of it. It's, I use it all the time. But nobody knows about it because Gore-Tex is the money and they promote that product mm-hmm. as a great product. Both have their place. Um, but personally, if I had to pick one or the other, I'd go Ventile every time. But, you know, again, it, it's how we get known. Yeah, exactly. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about is you, you mentioned your family a bit. Are they involved in the company or? Um, uh, sort of in and out. Max, my sonny, I've got a real dilemma here. Actually, Max, you need to be thinking about this. He's a bright <laughs> lad and mm. he's been offered a place at Edinburgh University. And he's going, do I go, don't I go? How old is he? Is he's he... 18. Okay. He's just going to do the Pacific Trail or some of it. In your, we're using your rucksacks, oh, by the way. awesome. Him and Nick, they're probably the best kitted out 18-year-olds um, on the planet. <laughs> yeah, no so they're going to do that for three months. And he's got to come back. Then he's got some decisions to make. And being a selfish father, I'd love him to enjoy the journey with me, mm-hmm. right? Uh, being pragmatic about it, should he go to university and miss the journey? It's a real difficult one. And I've, I've sort of told him, I said, you've got to go and speak to other people about that and make a choice because I don't want anybody coming back and saying, you made me stay, Dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, him, uh, he's he's involved. Ellen, my middle daughter's done a lot um, for us, but she's a, she is finishing university now, but she's much more into the fashion and organic uh, makeups and bits and pieces. Jenna's very involved in it um, just because of her way of life. So she's, she, she dips in and outs and helps us quite a lot as well. And then I've got little Emily, who's 11, who's a great little kid. But, uh, and she even, she even comes in the weekend and unpacks stuff. And oh, packs. Really? So, they, yeah, in essence, they're all doing stuff. I mean, it's a bit like, yeah, if you came there over the weekend or during school holidays, we've got lots of uh, young ones sort of packing <laughs> and wrapping and doing things. It's, it's the way it works, but it's, it's good. It's, it's nice to see, and they, they understand it, and... As I say, as a father, it's, I was from a completely different background and it was a bit of an ugly divorce I had from my last business partner and um, don't need to bore you with that. Um, so they would have seen me really sort of struggling with things. So to be able to sort of pick myself up again, and I wouldn't have been able to do that without great support and mm-hmm. people around me that really got me. You, you, nobody does anything on their own. Um, we've managed to achieve this and that's hugely rewarding. It's huge. It's to come over to America, particularly, and people going, "Guys, you, you're killing it." I mean, you can you can only imagine how that makes you feel. Mm. It's it's a great story, but people just don't appreciate how tiny we are. Yeah, yeah. yeah we we were talking about that last week on the, when you called on the phone that you're. 
basically still in that garage. You might, might be in a, a bit bigger it's of a It's an updated garage, <laughs> but it's, it's not big. It's yeah. not big. And, yeah. um, and I mean, I, when I left my old company, my, my PA, um, Paula, said to me, oh, I'm coming with you, boss. And I said, I've got no money, Paula. You know, I, I've, I've got uh, probably we're going off a bit track off track here, Frank, but it's interesting <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And I said, uh, she said, oh, you'll, you'll make it work. You know, she said, I know you, you'll get it work. And for 10 months, I couldn't pay her a penny. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was devotion. Wasn't right. it? And she's um, she's been absolutely stoic, you know, and, uh, and now I employ a sister as well. And now an old PA from my old business is coming back to work for us as well. So I'm gradually getting all these good people back. Yeah, passionate and, people. Yeah, yeah, passionate because they don't need it. I don't need to interview them. We've all we've all got bolder or older, but um, <laughs> or both, should I say? But but I know they're going to do the job, and I know they'll have the back of us, and I know they will treat our customers how. Mm-hmm. I always say to people, I say, treat customers how you want to be treated. Right? It costs you nothing doesn't it? And yet people are so, businesses are so arrogant sometimes. And I think if you look up about a customer feedback and focus, we really try hard on that. And yeah. I still phone people up a lot and people go, oh, I'm speaking to you. And I said, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> there's nobody else to talk to you at the moment. So it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, um, it's, it's good. It's, it's an exciting time. Yeah. And I think that that definitely goes a long way, the customer experience and, uh, Everyone else that I've dealt with over there at Spartan Precision, they've they've been awesome. So yeah. when I don't have a, the chance to talk to you when you're away and, and I'm doing whatever, you know, everyone else has been top notch. So it's 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 they're lovely people. I mean, the irony is Paula's not into hunting. She just is not her bag. She's a proper vegetarian. <laughs> oh, okay. And I said, look, Paula, just think about this. I said every time a javelin is sold, it's going to up the game. At least that animal's more likely to get shot accurately than without one. Yeah, ethical killing. But she said, boss, you can shoot as many yeah. people as you like. <laughs> she loves the military stuff. <laughs> but, uh, but no, the animals, but no, we have a good sense of humor, a good yeah. crack. You can just tell her it's one less animal to eat the, uh, eat the vegetation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that is the problem we got in the UK. Mm-hmm. I actually posted some pictures on that last year of failed crops where we have so many fallow deer. Oh, like, really? Um, that the crops are just obliterated. You can't, you can't harvest them. So it's a balance, guys, isn't it? Yeah, and if we start getting onto the vegan stuff, just let me talk about avocados, please, right? And what Go that's ahead. doing. Well, just the fact that they're killing off a lot of land to grow these things. They've huge oh, they amount really? of water, right? It's also a butterfly population that's suffering. Oh, we could go on about nothing. The truth is, whichever end of the spectrum you come from, we're damaging the planet. The truth is, there's just too many people on the planet, mm. and. Uh, in another hundred years, maybe even less, it's going to be a real, real issue. So I don't know. Too, too complex for me. We don't want to go into that one. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think the reason we do have a lot of nature left and a lot of protected ground and a lot of wildlife is because people like you and I actually give a shit about it. And it's not, we're not we're not abstract murderers. We're not out there. I'm not. You know. But I'm not going to. I will argue with anybody. Right, that my process, and we're lucky enough to be able to do that, of actually harvesting my meat is far better, far less impact on the environment than intensive farming would be. Now, when you've got 7 billion people on the planet, you need intensive farming. I'm Mm. not stupid. I know that. I'm just lucky enough not to have to eat that shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I completely agree. So so anything else? We're pretty close to running up on an hour here. Anything else you wanted to uh, talk about that 
might be notable for Ooh. watch yeah, this play I'm, I'm very excited to work with my mate Ian Harrison from Recoil Magazine mm-hmm. going to be doing a couple of fun things with him this year and um, he's a proper fun dude yeah, I think we're sort of out the same camp, both slightly insane. Um, <laughs> so we're going to plan something in America. We're going to canoe in, uh, use a muzzle loader. Um, well, we'll come back and talk about that later after it's done, if I'm still alive. And then I'm getting him up to Scotland to do some hind stalking, but we're going to probably do it old style in kilts and yeah. really smash that Yeah, it's well. like you, done yeah. that. you did something like oh, that last year in the kilts. <laughs> I love it. I love it, actually. It's good crack. But uh, yeah, look. When I end up in a box, nobody can say I haven't packed the life full, you know, and yeah. this, this has been a, a great journey. And I, I encourage anybody to have the balls. Just if you think you want to do something, don't think, do it. And if you know about all of the uh, obstacles you're going to face all at once, just what, you know, I, you wouldn't have the courage, but you can tackle all of those things um, in small chunks, right? And if you've got good people around you, they will come to the fore when you need it or certainly has happened for me anyway yeah yeah we definitely appreciate you um being here and i i always think that uh you're very inspiring the amount of enthusiasm enthusiasm and passion that you have and we always love having you here and and seeing the new stuff that you have going on because you you do live life to the fullest which is awesome so absolute really pleasure like always love it frank and uh great to mix with some good dudes like you all right yeah. and um, if anybody wants to find you on either social media or your website where can they find oh, it God, uh, yeah so spark precision equipment or put javelin bipod in um lots of great companies stocking the gear amy at branded rock canyon holds a big stock as well we've got lovely Lindsay over here who's holding stock in idaho she's running her own little business i think i could see I could see lovely Lindsay running Spartan in the next couple of years. She's absolutely on it. And we've got young Hannah, who's just joined us, who's um, a uh, clay pigeon shooting champion, and she's killing it as well. So we've got some really good, young, passionate people Mm -hmm. joining the team. So, you know, maybe in the not-too-distant future, you might have one of those sitting here talking to (laughs) And I'll be out there with Aaron hunting. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. But look, wonderful. Really enjoyed it. Yep, awesome. Thanks, Rob. And we'll, uh, we'll have you on here in the next couple months next time on your way back, and I'm sure you'll have a bunch of stuff to, to fill us in on and, and a lot of your adventures. So thanks again look for coming forward, in. Look forward to it. All Cheers, right, Frank. Thanks.